Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. And everything, but well, um, in this journey in renewing the mind, one of the things that I, I want us to deeply look at are these two principles that we'll go through this morning. And, uh, and, and there's like four subsets to each of those principles. So we'll, we'll get through it. And this is kind of more of a teaching this morning. But I want you to see it as a real means. Um, how many of you were taught spiritual warfare in your coming up through Christianity? Okay, that usually meant some things. And so if I step on toes this morning, you have to forgive me. That's, it's a command of scriptures that you forgive me. So if I step on your toes, I didn't mean to. Uh, I'll step on my own toes a lot with this. But most of us were taught that spiritual warfare meant that you took authority over the demonic realm. And you did, and that the, the enemy was out to get you, and he probably is. Um, but I want to look at a, cup, a very non-traditional approach with this. In the sense of, it doesn't make it more spiritual to go after the demonic realm, and it doesn't make it less spiritual to be discussing your self-talk. You are a spiritual being, and therefore the stuff that goes inside of you is spiritual warfare. (laughs) Now you're not at war over what nature you have. You've been given the nature of Christ, but you are at war with your, oftentimes with your flesh. And as we look at these two passages of scriptures, I want to, I want to just encourage you, if you've been taught something different, just let your boundaries down a little bit. I'm not going to violate anything. I'm not going to throw something weird at you. I just want you to see some things that uh, regarding the realm of graves that has been monumental in my life and in the lives of many, 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 many other people that I know personally and a lot of people that I haven't ever met yet that have been affected by this. So with it, we've used, I've used two quotes from uh, John Lynch and you can get online and, and research John Lynch and he's part of what's known as the True Faced organization or group that do a lot of teachings, uh, especially centered in the ideas of the principles of the exchange life and what grace means and how it works. I'm going to start this morning with us reading together Romans 12, 1 and 2. This, for me, is a key verse now to deep spiritual understanding and spiritual warfare. So read it with me. Why don't you say it aloud together with me so it gets in you. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. When you hear yourself saying it, something happens spiritually. So say with me, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Lord, I pray for a spiritual opening right now, that this verse would get highlighted into our lives. That we would see something about you and about ourselves that we haven't seen before in Jesus' name. The overarching theme, and we looked at this last week, of the new covenant that operates through the power of the Holy Spirit, that overarching theme that we find through all of the New Testament teaching is the finished work of the cross. The finished work that Jesus has accomplished. It's ongoing, but it's finished. Remember that just before his spirit leaves by, he goes, it is finished. He did something that brought a change. Not just a change in that moment of time. He brought something that brought a change for all moments of time. Every moment of time. In your life and in my life. It it does this work of the cross. Actually enables us when we receive him to, to grow, to change and everything through the two realms, the realm of grace and the realm of truth. So it says in the first chapter of John that the law came by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If you will, take it into today's language, it's the new operating system. The old system became obsolete. And there's a new system with all sorts of new apps that work within that system, but the apps don't work if you try and use an old system. So this new covenant system is based in this idea of the, of the finished work of the cross, which opens up this realm. So... One's a definition, the other's a description. The definition is the absolute unforced favor gained by Christ's death and resurrection, allowing God to be completely for us and endlessly in love with us, apart from anything we must prove. Now we're going to come back to Romans and look at that. So, and then he says, grace is an actual realm. A way of life in which we no longer strive for acceptance. We mature, heal, and are released to, into his intentions by trusting that Jesus and all of his power is fused into us, creating an entirely new person. You are a new being. And you're not only... Now, did it all happen at once? Yes! And it's ongoing. It's not an either-or thing. This isn't, okay, it had, it's happened to me, and old things have passed away, and now nothing from the past is going to bother me. That's not necessarily true. It's a new and living way that addresses the things that happened before. I don't know of any human being that has gone through life, even young ones, unscathed. Pain is in this life, hurts in this life. Sin operates in the world. And we can get affected and hurt by it. God sent this realm of grace so that we can be healed in the process of it. And we can grow and mature. 
So if you look at this, I, I want to read from Romans 5, just a short passage. He says this in Romans 5, verse 18. So you get your handle, you know, hold on to this realm of grace teaching. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. He's speaking of what Jesus did in his death and resurrection, resulting in something justification of life. What does that mean? It, it means this. You're right. You're okay. Your life is okay. Right now it's okay. You don't know what I was struggling with last night. You are right in Christ. He has justified your life. That's me. He put you, the word justified is an incredible word. He gave you a right standing with him. When we talk about, well, uh, Jesus is our elder brother, that's what this is talking about. He is that in the sense of he went first before you so that you could follow, so that you could be there, and he doesn't leave. He's with you. It doesn't mean that you don't do anything wrong. It's that, that that wrong can no longer determine who you are. Does that make sense? It does not determine who you are. So it's this. I heard this oh, for so many years, for three decades. Well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's a lie. I am not a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint that occasionally sins. <laughs> Why does that make a difference? It's huge. Because the premise of it is this. My life is justified now, not determined on what I can do or not do, but what he did, the finished work of the cross. It's a, it's a stunning concept that can change your whole outlook, how you approach yourself, how you approach God, how you approach other people. How you approach your loved ones, how you approach those that you really struggle loving. It's the game changer. Justification of life. It's not saying eternity, life right here, right now. I'm justified. We'll get back to Romans 12 in just a minute. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous made righteous I'm not becoming righteous I have been made righteous now this is really hard for us because it sounds really arrogant it just sounds because you know your frailties right well some of you do you, you know your weak areas and stuff and so it's really hard to go I'm the righteousness of Christ on the earth. It is so hard to say. But when that truth through the realm of grace starts to permeate your thinking and your self-talk and the places where you really need to take authority, I, this was so hard when I first started teaching this. You know, I am a righteous man. Who do you think you are? You fail just like all of us. Yes, 
and I'm a righteous man. Why? Because I've been made righteous by the finished work of the cross. It's not something I'm going to get. I got it. Did you get it? I got it. This is who I am now. Why do you keep hammering this? It's the most important concept of the new covenant. You have been formed into something new. There has, last week I talked about this, you've had this, this seed of Christ, this holy seed planted into your life, and you, you think it's not taking effect? You're not living in the realm of grace and truth. You're living in the realm of the flesh. God has an intent to prove his will through you. Not you proving God's will, him proving his will. We'll come back to it. Listen to the rest of this. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded. Abounded more, superabounded, hyperabounded is actually the word in the Greek. So that as sin reigned in death, even so, look at this realm. Center on the this. Even so, grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's inside of you. Inside of me. That's where it's designed to have rain. But the mind's a funny thing. When I don't renew it, I don't see it. I don't hear it. And an old familiar pattern, uh, a voice. Now, sometimes we've been taught that that voice is the enemy's voice, but I tell you what, um, your own internal voice can be one of the worst enemies you have. Your flesh voice that will contradict everything that God's word declares as truth about you. Um, It does it through funny means, not through some booming, oh, I've had this mystical experience. It's the simple things like, you're not good enough. Oh, who do you think you are? You always do it that way. Oh, really? Come on, Lloyd. You really... And you fill in the blank with all the... And, uh, Andy Stanley, and in his teachings, he calls that voice and those things that come up frenemies. Friends, because it, we're familiar with it, it's a pattern in our life. It's a pattern of thinking. It's a mindset. <sighs> but an enemy, because it speaks against the realm of God's truth and grace... So when you do have a mistake, it tells you, yep, didn't work. Never works for you, does it? And you go back to believing that you're the worst thing that ever crawled out from under a piece of dirt that anybody could imagine. And it doesn't, so the enemy doesn't have to come and say it. Who's saying it? Me. I'm I'm saying it to me. This incredible person that's, that's been born again and has the seed of Christ in, I'm now saying, no, it didn't take, no good, washed up, never accomplished, won't work, stupid, idiot, why did you even think that? 
Boy, you were pretty haughty there. Now God's going to have to teach you through some circumstances how to humble yourself. Life of lies. And it didn't come from the pit. It came from inside of you. It came from your flesh. This is why you have to go back (laughs) to Romans 12. This was... And these four steps I'm going to take to you. This was a game changer for Lloyd. And if it worked for Lloyd, because I had a stinky little sneaky self-voice. I even read wonderful books that are incredible, phenomenal books, like telling yourself the truth, telling each other the truth. And I understood what, what true truth was and how to apply true therapy in myself. And I could do that and turn around and my self-talk was never enough. Who do you think? Because of strongholds that I had in my life. Who do you think you are? Really? I remember what you did. Bring accusations into my own life that I couldn't measure up. And then through these teachings and through some understanding and the, the enlightening of the Holy Spirit into my life, Romans 12, 1 and 2 got a hold of me in a different way. And the first part is this. Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And I read it for the first time for what it really said, because what I had been taught is that means you got to clean yourself up before you come before the Lord. Maybe you were taught that. That uh, before you present yourself to the Lord as holy and blameless, you better make sure it's holy and blameless so you better confess all the stuff you did wrong. So you had the work of getting yourself clean before you came before the Lord. Anybody else have those teachings? None of you? I'm just going to go home then. You already know this stuff. (laughs) This process of Ah, boy, if I'm going to pray, I better make sure everything's okay. So how's your relationship with the Lord today? Is there any areas of overt sin between you and He? Is there any area of like broken relationship that you had to get straightened out before you talked to the Lord? Does that sound familiar? Those were lies. I'm accepted in Christ. This is telling me how to present myself, not what to do before I present myself. So here was a tough part. I almost have to put, <laughs> wish I had the lapel mic on. So I had to train myself, Lord, here I come before you, holy and blameless in your sight. Ooh, that was so hard to say the first few times. I present myself to you. I present my body, my body to you as acceptable to you, blameless. Ephesians 1, if you use the passages that go with this scripture, blameless since the foundations of the world. You presented me to yourself, righteous, holy, blameless he doesn't see it any other way 
I'm coming to him and say, look at this junk. I'm going to get this cleaned up before I come to you. He said, I already did that. What are you talking about? Well, you have to confess your sin. You have to confess your sin for the sake of your own conscience. And that's being real with your identity. I did something that's not my true self. It's not for God. He's forgiven all sin. Look at what Romans says. All sin for all time was done once for all. All the sin in the world has been paid for. Not everybody's received that. You get to receive it. What? It's been done. It's been done. Don't become a frenemy to yourself. Don't stay in that place. Take what the word says, truth, and let grace apply in this realm. Here I am this morning. This is Lloyd, holy and blameless in your sight. Now start praying. (laughs) So anyway, that first step is how to present yourself to God. I had to change my confession. Confess means agree with. I was taught I had to confess my sin before I was holy and acceptable. What this says is I confess my identity as holy and acceptable. So the idea of confession, what, I, what was I agreeing with? When I started agreeing with how God saw me, I saw me differently. It's a game changer. When I stopped telling God what a holy bad mess I was in and that I was a horrible person and instead said, Lord, I'm your righteousness. And I began where God begins. Now we can tell a different journey. Now I'm doing real spiritual warfare because I am declaring God's truth in the realm of grace as applying to me. Not others. It's wonderful to pray for others. But what do you confess about you to God? I can guarantee you if it's not his truth, you have a stronghold. You have a mindset that argues against the knowledge of God. Not the enemy's voice, your voice. We'll get at that later. So then the second part of this is don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed. To conform in the, in the Greek means to fashion a likeness, to do something according to. So he says, don't be conformed. In, he's not saying don't be worldly. He's saying don't look at yourself using worldly principles to make yourself be okay. That's called in our realm religion. That's not real. You may look good. You may have a nice smile. You may do what John Lynch in his his Two Roads teaching. You get handed the mask coming to church, says, I'm fine. How's it going? Oh, it's all good. I'm doing good, brother. And inside, you're a shamble. And you're scared to death to let down the mask and go, yeah, it's not a very good Sunday to say. I'm just not doing really well. It's okay. It's okay. 
It's okay to be authentic. To do it that way is conforming into something. You're taking who you really are and making it fit. And it doesn't fit. You'll never get it to fit. It's an impossible pattern. How can you have something that is new and fit it into the old? Isn't that what Jesus taught about wineskins and wine? He says, he told them, he says, it's impossible. You can't do that. It won't work. It'll burst. And so for a lot of believers, we're bursting, but not with the glory of God, but with frenemies. So he says, um, by the way, part, part of confirmation is, is to fit into a pattern. That's why religion feels good. Because religion has patterns that you follow. That feels really good for a while. Except the pattern always bursts. It always breaks apart. So he says this. Instead of... Uh, trying to act in accordance with the prevailing standards or outcome that it's supposed to be, to instead be transformed. Now, this is a word in the Greek that's really fun. Metamorpho. It sounds like a, a cartoon character. Here's Metamorpho with all his magical power. Well, it's not magical, but it is deeply spiritual, and we all know it comes that we get our word metamorphosis from that word and it really when it means transformed it literally now think about this and what was taught about Jesus it means to transfigure you remember the story of Jesus when he was transfigured they didn't know what to do so they tried to get things to conform so they offered to build three tabernacles this is how we understand you now. We've seen something about you that nobody else has seen, and we're going to tell them how this fits in the pattern. They tried to take metamorpho and make it into conformity. We do that. We do that. You have been transformed. You have, you have been, something has happened in you that happens once for all time. I have been transformed. That's why it says, <laughs> that which is old has passed away. Behold, all things are. That is the truth about you. You have been metamorphosed. It's God's great. <laughs> it's not a stun gun. It's an alive gun. Dead, alive. He enters into us. And you, and you get this metamorphosis that it, and it really it means to change in uh, composition or structure. We don't see ourselves that way because it doesn't have an outward appearance. That's religion. It's, it's of the, I'm born again. I have the spirit of God in me. This is so powerful, you guys. It literally means, now think, we used to use language around this. Have you converted to Christianity? We made a form out of it. But it, the word metamorpho actually means to convert from one form to another. To be translated. So with that, that is what I renew the mind with. Going back to Romans 12. Romans 12. 
I present a right confession. Are you going to agree with confirmation to be conformed into something, or are you going to agree with transformation to be translated into something? Now you got spiritual warfare going on. Not yelling at devils, making sure that you understand what God has done through grace and truth. You mean I don't have to think that way anymore? No. He, if you will, if you think you're not a great thinker, he already thought through this. That's why he calls it through Paul a new and living way. He said, you couldn't figure this out on your own, so I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do something really special. I'm going to give the understanding of it to you as a gift, and I'm going to plant it right here and right here. Boom. It's always there for each one of us, even when the old strongholds come up, the ability to metamorphose is there. It's been planted in you. The ability to have to rule through grace is there. You're meant to reign. You were, uh, one writer says this, Joseph Prince, you were destined to reign. We keep looking for these, our destiny in Christ. You were destined to reign. Where? Right here. Right where I tack myself in my mind. My self-talk, the things I say to myself. It affects your core beliefs. When you renew your mind, now you will start believing different. When you start believing different, everybody acts out of what they believe, not what they think. You can think lots of good things, but what do you believe? Take it home a little bit more. What do you believe about you? Not others. What do you believe about you when it's just you alone in the night? When it's just you when you're scared, angry, hurt, despondent, depressed, afraid. When it's just you, what do you believe? That's where that really counts. When nothing's gone right and death is around you. What do you believe? Because how you act is determined by what you believe. A.W. Tozer wrote this. He says, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. What you hold true in your heart of hearts to believe about this God and what he has done. If it's not in the realm of truth and grace, it's religion. And it doesn't work. It's a house built on sand. It doesn't stand. Why? Because number four, it proves something. You don't prove something. I spent my whole life as a Christian trying to prove to you, both believers and non-believers, how Christian I was. You probably did that too. Well, I was just living my life. I really wasn't trying to do that. Yes, you were. You called it your testimony or that you were this or that. 
trying to prove the will of God, trying trying to uh, validate it. I even read a book later about that, that uh, our lives were designed to validate the gospel. That is a lie. The gospel validates your life. You don't validate the gospel. What it proves is God. Here's how Paul wrote it. God is at work in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. What? That's why I try to tell everybody, you're the will of God. Just live it. In the realm of grace, take authority. You don't have to prove God's will. He's proving his will in you. You just be the complete new person that he designed you to be. Stand on it. Lean into it. Confess it. Make it right before God through these scriptures. Then, the next verse, and I'll close with this. Now, I shut mine off and you didn't. Nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Ha, ha, caught. Caught. I could do a Lord of the Rings thing, but I won't. Only three people will get it. Listen. Now, now this verse, 2 Corinthians 10, I struggled this one for years. I took so much authority over so many devils after me, and they're probably going, going <laughs> we got him real busy. Oh, he's just such a busy little beaver. He's just going to go make sure he's right. And I misapplied this scripture when I tied it back to Romans 12, 1 and 2. It made so much sense. For though we walk in the flesh here in this life, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. I thought that meant the strong man and I had to bind the devil that had a hold of my thoughts. It's not what it's saying. How do you know that? Verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that (sighs) exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought. So where's it taking place? Not with devils. Here. It's your inner voice and your thoughts, the way you think that are presenting arguments against God's will, against what he's done. And so how do I accomplish that? I bring every thought captive to obeying him, right? Bringing every thought captive to whose obedience? He obeyed. He obeyed perfectly where you can't. Where you can't get it right, he did. For you is a gift. It's a game changer. I bring those thoughts that say, yeah, but I'm really not. No, I bring that thought captive to the obedience of Christ that I am in Christ now. I bring it captive right to what he declares as true truth over my life. Well, you're just really shy and you'll never be able to speak to others. I wish you could have seen this 16-year-old boy. Couldn't give a speech. 
my voice would quiver and break and it'd sound like a 12, to me, I would sound like a 12-year-old. I couldn't stand before any, all those strongholds. Who do you think you are? You know, you were born next to, you grew up next to the railroad tracks. And that was on Main Street in Janesville. Can you imagine what kind of town that was? That Main Street had the railroad tracks? It wasn't even on the back side of town. It went right through the center. Of course, we were on the south end of Main Street. Dad was a town drunk. Who did I think I was? I was a nobody. So I couldn't be good at being good, so I learned to be good at being bad. Oh, but all that stronghold thinking, all those things that vault themselves against the knowledge of God that I was, ma- I was made special. There's nobody, there's no other me in the earth except me. I, I'm unique. See, I, I was sure that when God brought Brenda in my life, it was so incredible. We had such a strange and unique relationship. She was strange and I was unique. <laughs> no. Truth be told, and especially now, this getting harnessed in my life. If we're strange, it's an otherworldly strange that makes everything here seem more right. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in you. And I am unique. I'm wonderfully made. I finally started, was able to, I used to teach people their identity in Christ and teach them how to do Psalm 139. I am Psalm 139. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And though none of my days were numbered, Christ was there. Ephesians 1, before the foundations of the world I was presented before, not to him, by him, in front of the, you know, I can't wait to get to heaven. Live there now. Live in that heavenly realm now. This is, this is as bad as it ever gets for us. And this isn't very bad. Really, it's not. This is not bad. This is, I love the beauty of the earth. So John writes it, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should now be called the sons of God, but it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Because when we see Him, when we behold Him, we're like Him. Now there's a scary one. It takes great courage to go there. Yep. Lloyd's in the process of learning to be like God. Ooh, can't say that. He's probably treading on some stuff there that's like, oh, beloved, we have no idea what's coming. You have, I don't. And I'm not afraid of it anymore. I'm looking forward to it. If I got to change this much, how much more will I change? As a matter of fact, and I really will close with this, I'll use myself, because it embarrasses others when I use them. 
if you could see me as I really am in Christ, you would fall down and worship me because you would see Christ. Can you grasp that? So Paul, that's why he writes later in Corinthians, he says, hey, we know, we know no one after the flesh anymore. I have to see them differently. If they're a brother or sister in Christ, how should I then treat them? How should I relate to them? If they just get this part, they'd be really good believers. Really? That's what you really think? Why don't they get this? How many things I didn't get because of this? So when I see you, I want to treat you as a son of God. I want to treat you as a daughter of God. You're of noble birth. How would, I, how would we treat Elizabeth, the Queen of England, if she walked in here? All of us who, we're not, we're not English, but I tell you what, our whole manner of decorum would change if she walked in here. Just from treating that, that's in an earthly royalty. You're of heavenly royalty. So make a confession with me now. God, I'm here on the earth and I'm a righteous person because you live in me. I'm not a mess up. I'm not dirt. I'm not wrong. I'm not slightly off. I'm in you and you're in me. And you gave a promise just as the Father was in you and you were in the Father that you would be in us that way. You're in me. And I'm in you. That's the reality. And I lay hold of it this morning. That's the reality I claim as my reality. I am born again. Of true spirit. True life. Truth in Christ. I am born again. Not of flesh, but of spirit. And my life is life. And it is life indeed. In Jesus' name. Amen. We'll look at what the frenemies are in the coming weeks. There's some that are common to us. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love on each other as you go.